Cusick. Not just a word, a movement, a mindset, and a podcast. Welcome to Fusick. All right, welcome everybody to the Fusick Podcast. I am your co-host, Craig Miller, always accompanied by the one and only Mr. TJ McGinnis. What's going on, big buddy? How you doing, Craig? How you doing? I'm excited about today in this podcast. We've got a great, uh, great person uh, helping us out here today. Absolutely. I'm pumped about it. Pumped about it. How was your weekend and any, any fun new stuff you and the, you and the family did? Uh, just family time. We uh, went out to eat a couple times and uh, just enjoyed each other's presence and pulled it and mowed the lawn. And you, gotta, you have to mow the lawn now in Florida before 8 o'clock. And uh, I, uh, for the neighbors, I ended up buying a, was like an Ego, I think that's what it's called, where it's a battery lawnmower. Mm-hmm. Super, it's quiet. It's like the Tesla of uh, lawnmowers. Wow. For, but cheaper, though. It's cheaper. It works on that St. Augustine grass, too? Yeah, it works great on the St. Augustine, and we have the zoysia in the back. By the way, we filled in, I got a bunch of dirt, filled in all the holes. Good. So I'm getting to be be the, you know, a yard man now. Not a boy. On my my days off. How about you, buddy? It's going good, man. We uh, actually, Katie had never been to Wisconsin before, so we just hopped in the car on on Saturday and took a little hour and a half uh, drive, up, two-hour drive up to Milwaukee, and... um, Spent the day and, and evening up there. It's, it's actually one of my favorite cities. I, I love Milwaukee. It's it's very yeah. It's it's um you know it's got a lot of architecture that you wouldn't expect. It's got the water. The people are very down to earth. The food's great. Good beer, and uh, it's just great, man. It's a, it's one of the neatest cities and, and really really nice people up there. And she actually liked it a lot. She had no idea what to expect. And you know Wisconsin's just one of those. Really, really beautiful states if you get to drive through it. So we had a good time, just kind of turned it off and, and had about a 24-hour little trip up there, and it, it was great. So highly encourage nice. anybody that's listening, if you've never been to Milwaukee, and get a chance to go, go. So it's a great city. During the summer, right? Absolutely. Do not go during the winter. It's terrible. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Well, we have a guy on uh, our VPS in the southeast, Mr. Dave Mosier. The and Mo's very familiar with winters and being from Maine. Hey, Dave, how you doing? I'm well. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. We Good morning. are glad to have you. Uh, we have worked hard, Dave, to get you on here. You're a busy man, my friend. You're a busy man. Welcome. Well, I'm grateful to be part of this. Thank you both. Now, you're heading up to Maine this weekend, right? I am. I'm heading up to Maine uh, tomorrow, in fact. My wife... Ann and uh, our two sons, Thomas and Andrew, they spend the summers uh, on a little lake in uh, down east Maine. And so heading up there Wednesday, take a couple of days off, and then we all return back to Tampa. School starts next week, if you can believe that. It's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Shouldn't Too even soon. be right. Shouldn't even be right. No. <laughs> Well, Dave, how about you tell the listeners a little bit about Dave Mosier, where you come from? Sure. So um, I'll start with where I grew up, TJ and Craig. Um, I grew up in a in a small town called Cushing, Maine, which is a a very small coastal fishing village, uh, super rural, uh, probably the same thirteen hundred people that were there 
45 years ago that are there today. Um, uh, I grew up there. My sister, who's two years my junior. In fact, Craig, she lives, I think you've met her. She lives just in the outskirts of Wrigleyville, Wrigleyville in your uh, beautiful town of Chicago. She and I uh, grew up in, in Cushing. And um, um, it was an interesting uh, way to, place to be raised. It was, um, um, as TJ, as you had mentioned, harsh winters, uh, beautiful but cool summers. Um, not not a, a lot to do. Um, my folks are divorced, and I don't have a great deal of of memories of my father. Um, in fact, my interactions with him um, since my folks were divorced when we were my sister and I were very little um, is probably a handful of times in the past forty years or so. So it's it's um, interesting upbringing. My mother. Sharon, uh, she um, she really did everything she could to sort of make ends meet, whether it was working two or three jobs um, and trying to make things, uh, uh, make life good for, for, for Beth and I. And so um, she approached me when I was, gosh, I don't know, maybe 10 years old or so with an opportunity to um, go to a boarding school, which was a school, it's called Milton Hershey School. I don't know if either of you ever heard of it in Hershey, uh, Pennsylvania. It's a school that was, go ahead, Craig. I was just going to say chocolates. That's right. right. Yes. So sc- school that was founded in, um, it, it, and this is an important part of my story. So school that was in found, uh, founded in 1909, and it was originally intended for orphan orphan boys. Milton Hershey and his wife, Catherine, couldn't have children. Um, they started this school uh, well over 100 years ago. Um, the, the Hershey Foods Corporation, uh, the, the school was the primary benefactor of, of Hershey Foods. And, and so it created this tremendous story. And over the years, the school became, uh, you know, co-ed in the early 70s. But it was a school that was designed to um, take on uh, children from um, very uh, economically uh, poor circumstances, broken homes, all of those situations. And so um, my mother took me to Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, I went through a whole process of, of, of tests and interviews and all of these different things and ultimately got accepted into Milton Hershey, which at the time I was, I was very excited about it. But remember, I'm also 10, 11 years old at that at that point. So, and but and this school, which which by the way is, it's it's one of the largest private endowments. Think of Harvard, for example, which has got a largest endowment, roughly 35 billion dollars. Milton Hershey's in that sort of 12 to 13 billion dollar endowment that helps fund the education for kids. There's no tuition, so when you get accepted, you live there, you go to school there. You, you do everything, uh, they, they do everything for you there. Um, you can go as early as um, uh, four years old and be admitted as, as, as old as, I think maybe 15 or, or 16 years old. So it's an interesting concept. So I ultimately got accepted and I remember vividly the day that um, my mother dropped me off. It was November 4th, 1985, it was just four days shy of my 12th birthday. I had dropped off in this, and remember, I come from this tiny little 
fishing village in coastal Maine and I go to Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is not a big metropolis, but think of the students that are drawn um, to this school and the circumstances that they come from. So lots of inner city, Philadelphia, New York, Harrisburg, Pittsburgh, like lots of city folks that are uh, of, of all races coming to uh, together at Milton Hershey. So I, 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 I go to Milton Hershey um, early in my sixth grade year. Um, the, I think the first day I was dropped off, I was excited. But then I'm now I'm, my mother leaves. She goes back to Maine. I'm 600 miles from home. And um, it took about three days before I absolutely hated everything about this experience. Um, and I would say to you, the next 12 months were probably the most difficult 12 months of, of my life in terms of trying to figure out how do I, how do I get myself um, kicked out, terminated, sent back home? How do I, uh, it was difficult to make friends, um, all of those sorts of things. And it, and it ultimately came to ruse where um, the, there was a, a mentor that put his arms around me and helped me figure some things out. Uh, began to make some friends, uh, began to mature, began to grow up, all of those things, and and then made the best of what was, um, again, like a remarkable experience. I mean, there are periods there where you, you, you blame your parents, and again, little to no interaction with, um, with my father, even, even to this day. Um, you blame your, but, but you blame your, your parents for those circumstances, and then ultimately, I think you come to realize it's, it's it's really not about everybody else. It's about what you do and what you you do to take advantage of an opportunity. And so um, I, I ended up graduating from Milton Hershey School. Um, was inducted into the National Honor Society, Leadership Society. Played sports. Was involved in lots of stuff. Have some some good friends from there still today. Um, and then went back to Maine to the University of Maine, and where I spent um, you know four years there. Graduated and. Um, and then joined uh, Unum six to eight months outside of college, where I spent 12 years in the Baltimore, D.C. area. Um, got married only a year and a half outside of college or so to Anne. We've been married almost 21 years uh, today, and she's a wonderful woman. Uh, both of our boys were born in Baltimore. And then we moved to Fort Lauderdale in uh, early 2009 with an opportunity to... Um, to run the Fort Lauderdale Unum office. And, and I did that for about four years. Then we moved to Tampa where we are today and, and really um, had a wonderful opportunity to, to, to lead the Unum organization um, in, in all of Florida until about uh, a, almost a year and a half ago, exactly to the day when I joined Colonial Life for what has been just a sensational opportunity uh, to work with you guys to work with Bill and many others who I've known for a long time and, and, and grow from this experience. So, um, so there's a little bit about Dave Mosier. Um, there's, there's some, some depth there. Happy to answer questions. Um, hope, hope that helps. Absolutely. What an incredible story, man. I just, you know, I always try to compare things. I know when I was in college and, you know, I used to 
wonder like because you know my parents didn't have much money we you know we definitely never starved or anything like that my parents worked their butts off to uh make sure we had what we needed but I just remember, you know, me complaining in college and in high school and stuff about not being able to go eat at certain places or do certain things or, you know, have certain things that my friends did. And then I, I hear stories like yours and I go, man, I, I really have nothing ever complained about how lucky I was growing up with both my parents and, you know, being able to see them every day and do things like that. And just, I, I can say, Dave, that the, the man you are today and, and just the, the respect you have from, from me and so many other people and, and just, you know, always doing the right thing um that it's, it's a lot of something you should be definitely very proud of man because you know to grow up the way you did and and to not have that father figure and to go to a school like that that's a it's a big credit to you and you should be very proud of that and your, your kids are and your kids and your wife are very lucky to have you um so the question i have though is when when you first got in that school what was i mean i know you said you were excited the first day right but when you you said day three and then kind of the next 12 months, when did it click that maybe it was there a certain instance or was there a certain interaction or event that happened that said, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be and I've got to, and I've got to make the most of this and it's on me. It's not anybody else's fault. Was there a certain thing that happened or was it just kind of a gradual, um, being exposed to the right thing over and over again? Uh, it's a great question. I, I wish I could point to a very specific moment in time or a specific event, um, but it wasn't. It was more of an evolution. So that 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 twelve-year-old boy in sixth grade, six hundred and fifty miles almost from home, living in this environment, which was a and so keep in mind that it was a very basic plane, but. Uh, a very uh, stable and yet attractive environment. The, the campus and the student homes where we all lived, you had about 14 to 16 boys, student homes, or boys in student homes, and then, you know, it was co-ed, so you had other student homes with, with women in those. And, um, but, but you had, um, in the residential world, uh, you had house parents that took care of you, and then you had... Um, it, it, all of the teachers that that were very hyper focused on the development of people, and it was it was the the the, the period of time where um, I would say you hit rock bottom. Um, you did all of the things you could possibly muster in your mind to get evicted, kicked out, whatever you want to call it, out of Milton Hershey, um, and and some of us did, and I was one of the lucky ones that got the most extreme punishment but not terminated, not terminated. And, um, it, and it was at that point where you started to evolve into, okay, this is, this is not the right set of decisions that I'm making. And again, you started to have people around you that, that I think took an interest in uh, the development of Dave Mosier. And so um, schools started to evolve in a different place, like it, from all Ds at best to starting to get, A's and B's and starting to value the the effort and, and all of that. So, so Craig, it was an evolution in that seventh grade year. And again, I think part of it is, is just, it's maturity. Part of it is, I think people looking out for you. Yep. It made a difference. And I, and I want, the reason why I asked that and, and I'll, I'll be quiet is because a lot of times we think about when we hire somebody into our organization and, 
they're looking at us, you know, coming into a new career most of the time, you know, you know, usually not experienced in our field. And they're looking at us to give them the resources necessary to be successful. Well, most of the people that we hire, especially on a direct basis, are coming to Colonial or coming to, into this industry because they are looking to better their lives and in, in some sort of way because they haven't been surrounded by the right circumstances before. And I think that your story is a perfect example of how we cannot just come in and expect someone and just get it because we say it one time or expect someone to just you know, understand it or, or, or be all in or, or change exactly who they are because if, if they were already the person that was going to make it and, and kill it and do everything and we didn't have to do any type of investment or development in them, then the Colonial wouldn't need us in the leadership position. So I think what, you know, two points that we need to make sure we focus on when we're bringing people into our organization, you know, kind of tie it back to business a little bit here is, is one, surroundings and people that you surround yourself with and the way that you surround your team and the atmosphere that you create is one of the biggest factors and it's not going to happen overnight. Right, you, you're, the culture that you were around, the people you were around, and the messages that you heard on a consistent basis is the reason why you decided to take a different mindset and change your life. And you know, we got to quit thinking that we're just going to bring somebody in and overnight they're going to know exactly what to do. Or they're going to be completely bought in. It's a consistent message, a consistent culture, and a consistent you know surrounding yourself with the right people and getting rid of the wrong people in the wrong situations that's going to help change your life and help you change other people's lives. So I think that's a prime example of, of just kind of exactly what we try to do here, just in a, obviously a much different way. So I love that. Yep. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree. And uh, Dave, there's two, two points that I want to touch on. Uh, the word mentor that you brought up and also take advantage of an opportunity. I look at this as... Um, when you were trying, when you first got in there, you liked it at first. Uh, you enjoyed it, and then you realized, Jesus is not what I expected, and you were trying to do everything you could to get kicked out. And that going back to what we do, when you bring on a new team, they like it at first, everything's good, but after those fourth or five weeks or eight weeks of of, of struggling and, and call labs or knocking on brokers' doors and, and not getting what they want, they end up finding a way to self-destruct themselves. And that uh, seems to be what you, what you were doing as well. You were finding a way to self-destruct yourself to get you to go back home, for whatever uh, is go, was going through your mind. Uh, and then you had a mentor come around who helped you get some friends and meet friends and kind of uh, my thoughts are put, put his arm around you and said, hey, hey, Dave Mosier, you know, let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some positive reinforcements. And, uh, you know, you're a good kid and you're a good good person you're going to be somebody and let me show you that let me walk you through the ways of how to do that um dave and that's what we need on our end you know there's so much there's systems there's structure and all these things but a lot of times we get people that that are down in the dumps they're on their last final leg on some things and they just need someone to put their arm around them and say hey it's all right buddy i've been there before or, or lady i've been there before Look, just follow the systems, and, and we're going to be here, and let's coach you through it, and, and we're going to get you through that. And now, and then you're going to be able to coach people through it themselves. You know, one so, of the old sayings uh, is, you, you know, you got to believe in your team before they believe in themselves. Yep. And, you know, yep, sometimes 100%. that's all people need. You know, some people, all people need a lot of times, or most of the time even, is just for somebody to believe in them so that they can believe in themselves. That's right. Dave, who, can you touch on this mentor that you mentioned? What what did they uh, what type of skill sets did they have and, and what do they do to, to kind of help 
turn things around for you? Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I know exactly who it is. Uh, his name is Mr. Dearden. He, um, I can't recall the, it's funny, I can't recall the class that he taught. It was a social studies class or something like that. And again, this is, this is seventh. Yeah. Seventh grade. So I'm going way back. Um, but Mr. Dearden is, is his name. And he, um, I think he was a guy that, that, uh, he picked up on something in me and, and, and ultimately I, I remember many conversations sitting in his classroom at the end of the day, um, all distractions of his aside. And, and he sat and listened. He asked questions he took an interest in um, who Dave Mosier was and um, how I could be helped, how I could be led, how I could be coached, guided, all of those adjectives. Um, and, and, and Craig, to your point, it was almost as though it took someone who uh, was a popular teacher People, people liked him a lot. He, uh, I think he was well-respected by all of the staff. But it took a guy uh, or a person um, to believe in Dave Mosier that made sort of the emotional difference or, or created the strength in order to, um, to, to, to sort of pursue what was available to us. And so that was, TJ, that was the difference yeah. for me. Well, you know, Dave, there's a lot of things that uh, you do extremely well. Uh, one thing I will say is your ability to listen, ask questions, coach, lead, just the adjectives you were using with this mentor. And I wonder if that's part of kind of built the mold for you, and that's where you've learned, you started learning that skill set. Because I always said, I'm sure, Craig, you, you've talked to me about this as well, is Dave's ability to, we both want to jump in and say things at times or or, or, or tell people what to do versus ask questions or ask those curious questions. Uh, Dave has, has that down packed. He does a great job of that. And I wonder, Dave, if some of these things uh, transpired, you know, that's, that's you taking advantage of that opportunity. And I, whether you, you realize or you didn't, I wonder if that's part of where this came with that skill set of yours, which is so important that many, many of us are working on that skill set, don't have. Uh, that's some, that's where that skill set of yours was born. So it's, it's fun. That's good stuff right there. Dave, if, uh, Thank you, Teach. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with 100% everything TJ said. I remember saying that to Katie um, about how whenever I feel like I'm having a conversation with you, Dave, I, I feel like I'm important and I feel like you actually care about what I'm saying. So whether you do or not, you make me feel that way. So I appreciate it. Um, that makes you know a team want to run through the wall for you. So don't ever lose that as a leader, as a mentor, um, as a coach. You know I know that that made me want to do things for you that you know when we first met that I might not want to do for a different coach that maybe I didn't feel like cared. So good notes for me to remember too when I'm working with my teams um, to make sure that you that they know that we care about them for sure. Uh, but Dave, one question, kind of different question here. If you could go back and give you know, 22 year old, just graduated from University of Maine and, and about to get into Unum, uh, start working for, you know, the workforce with them. What's the one piece of advice that you would give Dave Moser at 22 years old? I think it's a great question. And I, I 
I need to cheat a little bit because there are probably two or three things I'd tell Dave Mosier, the 22-year-old college graduate entering the workforce. Um, it's very easy to judge people. I think we all, it's, it's human nature to look at folks, listen to them, uh, whatever the circumstances are, and quickly come to some conclusion and judge. And, and I think I was one of those people and thought nothing of it. And so the one piece of advice I'd give Dave Mosier is you got to treat people well always. That's number one. Number two, um, it, to me, humility is remarkably important. And Dave Mosier, the 22-year-old, had very little of it. I, I, I felt in some ways in part due to my experience and my upbringing and a, a number of other things, I felt like the world owed me something and it owes me nothing. And so I wasn't humble for that particular reason. And I, and I would tell that guy then, who probably uh, would have been more successful earlier on had, had he learned that at the age of 22. And, and somewhat connected to the first part around people and treating them well. Um, but I think it also is somewhat connected to humility, Craig and TJ, which is um, if things don't go the way you planned, a, a knee-jerk reaction is to maybe burn a bridge. And, and, and that's also human. And so while you might not have the positive outcome in some situation that you were hoping for, uh, don't burn the bridge because you're gonna probably need it at some point down the road, whether it's in the immediate future or it's a decade down the road. Such a good point. Love that. Love that, man. Uh, anything else, Dave? I think this has been absolutely outstanding. Anything else you'd like I'll, to add? I'll just say this. Uh, the only thing I'll add, you guys, I, I again, I, I, en I enjoyed this. I, I think it's, it's somewhat uncomfortable, if not incredibly uncomfortable, to talk about uh, yourself, especially with uh, th or around the topics that are difficult. But um, the 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 gift that I've been given um, professionally, having had spent uh, almost twenty you know three years with this enterprise between Unum and Colonial Life, is people people took chances on Dave Mosier. Like one of your one of your questions is what's your Fusick story, and 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 I love listening to others share their story. Um, there are a few of those stories for Dave Mosier within Unum and Colonial Life, where people took a chance on me. I, I was not the first team All American, so to speak. I was in some instances needed to try twice in order to prove myself. And then, boy, did I prove myself. Um, and so I, there's a lot of people to thank over the past 23 years, 22 and a half years, that have given me a chance to do different jobs, whether it was at the right time or maybe slightly ahead of time, um, that, uh, that I worked very hard to prove that they made the right call. Amen so, to that, man. what that's worth. Amen. I, I love that yep. because, you know, everybody always talks about – 
studying resumes and, and vetting people and, and stuff like that. And I think that your 30 minutes here today just proves so many things are wrong with that. You know, a resume, no one's going to put anything bad on a resume, right? But when I look back, no one would have ever given me the shot at Colonial that Billy Farr gave me if he had just looked at my resume, and that's all he did. You know, and that's all he had was my resume. You never would have looked at it. But the fact that people took chances on us, just like you said, Dave, they got to know us. They saw something in us that maybe they, they saw potential or whatever they saw, you know, and they gave us opportunities. Um, that, to me, is, is how you lead. That, to me, is how you got to do this. Um, I, I love what you just said about, you know, being humble, Knowing where you came from, I think, is the best way to kind of describe that for a lot of us is, you know, knowing that you're no different than, than other people. And, and you probably, so a lot of times, even came from less. So don't judge people. Um, give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Treat people the right way. And and I think what uh, something I took away from this, you didn't say these words exactly, was that just be persistent. You know, and it seems like with you, no matter what, you might not have gotten it the first time, like you said, but the second time you're going to get it and you're going to thrive. Remember that in your leadership. So for all the leaders out there listening, remember that some a lot of people aren't going to get it the first, second, or third time, but as long as they're working and they're trying hard, they're doing the right thing, and they want to improve, it's your job and you have a moral and ethical obligation to make sure that you're there for them to help them continue to do that. So kudos to you, man. Loved it. Um, appreciate your time today. I know you're a very, very busy man. Um, hope you enjoy your vacation tremendously. Your your wife, Ann, is awesome. Um, make sure you get her some good butter up there. Um, Ann knows what I'm talking about with that. So, um, and, and TJ, what is your what is your recap, man? Yeah, there's there's a bunch, Craig. And the ask questions, listen, learn, and then coach and lead. Uh, that's phenomenal. Uh, treat people well with humility. Uh, and and if you get something that doesn't go, if you get an answer, if you the ball doesn't bounce your way, to don't take your ball and go home. Contain your emotions. Keep the bridge where it is, because if you burn that bridge, it's not going to be there when you need it and there are always things always come full circle and you're going to need need that bridge so i think those are some big important things uh and give people chances and also understand that you were given an opportunity a chance and have humility with a sense of lack of have no entitlement issues uh that's important so dave i appreciate i appreciate everything you did and i think this is all this makes Dave Moja who he is and makes him the dad that he is. I know Thomas and Andrew, uh, when I'm at your house, they adore you. They look up to you. Um, and uh, you've got a great family, and you're somebody who, who, who I want to role model my life after as a family man as well. So thank you for, for your leadership there, and um, it's always a pleasure being around you, my friend. So Ditto. thank you. Ditto. It means a lot, TJ. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you both. Awesome, guys. Have a good one. Have a good one. See ya. Fusic, a podcast for everyone who said I couldn't.